0: Moderesi Tirani or watching HuffPost Live, famed fashion designer Isaac Mizrahi has been wowing us with his designs for decades. His incredible eye for talent has him back as a judge for season five of Project Runway All Stars. Take a look. Hi, Stella. Well, this is the
1: bandage wrap. This is the hospital gown, I think, and this is an X-ray. I think the skyline aspect of it is super fun. I would love to have seen an entire dress
0: like that. I think you had a good idea there, but it was just a little flat for me. I think we need a little bit
1: more. I don't like that skyline thing. It looks like to me like Forever 21. That's ugly. And and so like. I don't think you nailed that even. I wish I could have used yesterday's piece. I worked on it all day until Zana came in and she said, this is not an avant-garde challenge. And I'm like thinking, okay, pull back.
0: I can't judge you on something that I haven't seen. Right. And listen, as a designer, if you really believe in something, you should have shown us that coat.
1: Forget about how unchic this is. There is nothing less chic than an excuse.
0: I love oh, that Isaac gosh. joins me now. There's nothing less chic than That's a excuse. read.
1: That is a read. I love okay. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: I, kind of want, I kind of want to use it now in, in I life. know. Me it's too. It's,
1: I think I want a t-shirt that says, Nothing less chic than an excuse. We should be
0: yeah. using it every time one of the Republicans <laughs> open their mouths on a yes, debate. There's nothing exactly. less
1: chic. Exactly, you're so right. Than about an that. excuse, Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz. Yeah, gosh.
0: Cruz. Uh, well, it's always good to see you, Isaac. Thanks for being it's with always us. always good to
1: see you too. Uh, I so, love being here. Tell us
0: a little bit about uh, the new season. Are you excited as the new season's yeah, been unfolding? Yeah.
1: I mean, I've been watching, and um, it's really interesting for me to watch because you know, I've I've, I've lived <laughs> through it, but I don't exactly know any of the drama because all that is mm. kept from us judges. We're really, you know, sequestered from the actual drama of the competition, and um, and what I always think is like, why are these people here? They kind of didn't win once, right? Which is a nice way of saying they lost once, right? And they might lose again. probability is they will lose again do you know what I mean And so like I think to myself like why are you here to begin with but that for us is good news because it makes the show extremely dramatic you know it's this high 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 drama but
0: it is I mean it is high drama and and you do have to wonder I mean do you have respect for them the fact that they lost the first time around they've come back a second
1: oh you know what I have respect for all creative people I have respect for people um, to begin with you know and now to think that they have gone away lick their wounds, right? Recover to an extent where they could actually like do this again. You know what I mean? I think that is fabulous and I have more respect for them. As I get older, darling, I think that the object of the game is not the win or the lose, but it's actually like sort of being there, mm. trying, loving the process, you know? I hate the word journey. It's like my worst word in the whole English language. Why do you hate it? Because it's overused, and it doesn't exactly describe, it kind of indicates, which, who likes an indication, right? Um, But the idea of being in the moment is, I think, the real task. And so, like, I applaud them at that age also. You know, it's like, it's easier when you're young to not know that you're going to lose. You know what I mean? When you're young, you think you're going to win. So take advantage of that energy.
0: Well, you know, you see, it's like it's not about the winning or losing. I guess it's like the being there. Absolutely. Does does the fashion industry allow for that, though? Because I feel like if you're not winning in the fashion industry, you know, you're losing. And therefore, then you're not relevant. Yeah,
1: that's a really good question, especially more and more. You read about all these wonderful designers who are leaving posts in Paris, you know, because they can't do four collections that sell out a year, you know, that's a lot of pressure to to be under, especially in such a creative capacity, you know? I mean, I don't necessarily do couture clothes. Mm -hmm. I mean, I do things for clients, like special, special clients, but that's not in the kind of critical dialogue. You know, what I do is really geared to, you know, um, the kind of larger scale recognition, like at QVC or this new venture, like, you know, at at, um, Hudson's Bay, et cetera, right? Um, and so, like, I really focus on making very accessible things. But if you're in that arena where you're expected to create something absolutely devastating four times a year, that's fresh, new, that nobody's seen before, and sell it, it gets very hard, you know? And I think it must be terribly boring.
0: Just the sort of boring. the monotony of the cycle. The monotony
1: of people going, wait, we didn't sell enough of these, you know? And you're going, well, I mean... I can't make up something gorgeous and sell it too. You know what I mean? It's really, really hard. But you
0: do so. that. I mean, I suppose for you know, for the for the masses, for yes. people, you yeah. you make things that are gorgeous, but then do you sell?
1: Yeah. Yes, I do. But um, t- what I'm trying to say is, like in my case, making this kind of um, larger, uh, you know, this thing that's accessible, more accessible. You are by rights making it more accessible. Mm. So the lady goes, oh yeah. Thirty-nine ninety-nine for a pair of pants that are so perfect, uh, yeah, I'll take three. You know what I mean? So, As opposed to if you're sitting there in Paris going like, oh, what am I supposed to do? And then right. something comes to you and you feel inspired and everybody goes, oh, that's wonderful. And then no one wants to buy it because they look fat or something. You know what I mean? You can't control that.
0: You can't. No, you can't control it. Yeah. And you know what's interesting? I, I love that, you know, to go back to that remark that you made to that woman in that clip we showed, yeah. uh, the Forever 21 kind of like zing. Yes. So are you not a fan of the, like, the little thing? No. You're not a fan of like that mass outlet, sort of like the Forever no, no. 21, oh, the oh, wait Zara's? A second.
1: No, I love Forever 21. I love Zara. I love fast fashion more than anybody. You talk to me about that. But I felt as though in that challenge, it, it, it was inappropriate, you know. It was inappropriately sort of um, young. It, did, it looked too young to me. Because when you're doing Project Runway or Project Runway All-Stars, you kind of want to be doing this fashion-forward thing, and it then goes to the hands of Forever 21 and to H&M and to all those people, and they kind of interpret it, you know to that younger customer. But I think to start there is not so great. The even. fact that
0: you just said you love Forever 21, I think a lot I of people might it. raise their eyebrows and think, really? Because it's oh. one of those places that I think has, gets gets a lot of negative press, I guess, for yeah. the, the mass-produced version of fashion. Yes. And some people say, well, no, it's better not to buy from a Forever 21 and better to buy is sort of like, pay more money for a yeah. piece that you know is sort of less mass-produced. Right.
1: Well, you know what, darling, I, I, I find that like, For me, the polls, like this poll and that poll, those are the interesting places, you know? It's like I think that kind of the honesty of somebody at the top, top, top of their game in Paris, showing couture, right? Like that's interesting to me, right? And if it's bad, I think I have the right to say, I think that's bad. It doesn't mean I think they're a bad artist or that they're always gonna do something bad, but at that level, it's this open kind of situation, this open dialogue, right? They're starting a dialogue, right? And then you have the other pole at Forever 21 and that kind of situation where it's also open to a dialogue, but it's so accessible and there's no pretense about it. We all know what's going on at Forever 21, so I think it's just fun to walk into those shops and like sort of have fun buying like inexpensive little things to make your day, right? It's the other things that I find kind of sketchy, like this kind of in-between Thing what are the in-between kind of, things? Like what counts I don't know. Is in, oh, what I'm
0: going to name a Well, no, name, I, name, I just, no, I'm genuinely, because <laughs> I, I guess I would think of a Zara maybe as an in-between. <sighs> I don't know. Like, is that a step up from a Forever 21?
1: No, no. Zara I find also fascinating, okay. fabulous. No, it's like this kind of like moderate designer thing where it's like they kind of do something and they're too afraid to do anything and they don't really do anything. And it's all kind of geared to this... And then it's, or else like the pretense of really trying, you know, like a restaurant you go to where the food is neither like crazy enough nor kind of comforty enough.
0: It becomes a bit blah. It becomes
1: this thing that they put in front of you and you're like, well, I could have cooked that myself. You know, why did I need to come here, right? And it's expensive or not not expensive enough or something. I like the polls, is what I'm trying to say. Well, and I like yeah. the fact that
0: you say, you know, if someone puts out something for judgment, then it's sort of open season. Uh, and, yeah. you know, the, the show, I think, you know, Project Runway All Stars, it sort of does, I guess, appreciate and, and, and live in relish judgment because that's what you guys have to do. Yes. How do you think Alyssa milano has been doing as, as judge?
1: Great. Don't you? I think so because she brings another perspective to it, right? I bring a perspective to it. Georgina brings a perspective to it, right? And then there's... Um, uh, 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 Alyssa, and it's three really disparate points of view sometimes, and we usually agree in the end, but um, but you know, it's like, why do that show? That's a question I ask myself all the time, but in the end, I think it's very important because it's about critical dialogue, you know it's about people standing there showing their work and you going here's why this doesn't work, and maybe you can learn something from it. And you know, and they pull things like, there's nothing less chic than an excuse or something. I mean, that's pulled. And I say that to that girl in full earnest. I'm like, hey, listen to me, here's a lesson for you. Don't make excuses, right? That's basically what that beat meant.
0: When did you ever have to learn that lesson? You must um, have had to learn, we've all had to learn that lesson. When, when was not your me. lesson? No,
1: I never really? did. I never. I never had to learn that lesson. I mean, I've learned other lessons about humility, but not about excuses because when I didn't want to do something, I just didn't do it. I didn't make excuses about it, you know? Um, and, and, and when I did commit to something, I was fully there. And I made no excuses, you know? Um, but, and by the way, they'll pull something from Huffington Post going, I never made excuses instead of what I just said. You know what I mean? So I can't control that. But, um, but, but being on that set with those creative people, right, it is valuable, it is, because at first I was like, no, why would I want to do that? Why would I ever want to, and then I thought, here's why, because like when I was growing up and I was coming through it, there was Parsons, Parsons actually was right. a great place, and like you could have these unbelievable designer critics coming in and telling you what was wrong with your work, you know, and you try to keep it light, you try to be funny about it, right? So...
0: Well, yeah. there's, there is some levity in this season, so you know in terms of the celebrities that are going to be on yeah, board,
1: also uh, some,
0: some really good ones. Who are you most excited about?
1: Well, Boy George, because I'm such a huge fan. He
0: was on this very sofa. Where was that? Yes, he was. Come on, yes. what was he wearing? He was. I, I, I can't remember. He was looking fabulous. I was yeah, wearing. He looks I think he was fabulous. Wearing a, he was wearing a lovely hat, as is his, well, yes. his, his, his want. Yeah.
1: He, he wants to wear a hat all the time. And then also, Kesha's on the show, which is sort of like fabulous, too. She came on and had a really good perspective on things. How?
0: how was that? I mean obviously was with everything that's going on and I she's know. so in the news. I mean was this was you know was this all filmed before everything kind of yes. was out in the public? For the
1: most part yes how, close close on.
0: I, I mean how how was that? Because obviously I think people I think it had been known for a while whilst it wasn't necessarily thrust in the public eye I mean did you get a sense of of how she wears when no, you were filming? No,
1: not one sense of it. And as a matter of fact like she was so kind of clear about what she was doing that day and she had such smart opinions. And I never guessed, not for one second. And I'm such a fan, such a fan of Kesha's. You Did know.
0: you, uh, you know, have you reached out since uh, after everything has been, been happening? No, I mean, felt we, got, we had
1: fun on the set, but we, we didn't become, like, eternal, like, friends. Sadly, I would love to be friends with Kesha, but...
0: <laughs> well, and I think that lots of people seem to feel that... Whether they know her or not, people have felt connected to her yes. because of
1: Yes. Her story, narrative, it yeah. resonates or doesn't, you know, but in this case, I think it resonates a lot. And, you know, I have my eye firmly fixed on the issue of how women are perceived. It's one of my biggest issues. Like even before I knew I did, I did. Like, when I first started my company, I wasn't nearly as political, though I used to present this image of a woman that I thought was perfectly balanced, you know? Ironic enough, sexy enough, humorous enough, right? Without knowing. But then as I worked and worked and worked, I kind of was like, oh, right, I'm a feminist, you know? Um, and I love that
0: idea that it was revealed to you. It was revealed to, to me. You, you felt it innately.
1: Yeah, I mean, because my mom and my sisters kind of raised me to care a lot about women. I grew up in a household full of women, right? And I think part of loving women is also like hating them a little bit too. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't just love, I hate that. Like when people go, oh, he loves women. No, I don't. I love some women, you know? And some women annoy me, and some women I adore because they're fabulous role models, do you know?
0: Is that so. how you can read, I suppose, what women are on a mass kind of want? Because you know when you're designing for people, you are designing not just for necessarily yes. one woman, you're designing for every woman, yes. but also have to make her feel special.
1: Well, you know, something in the same way that you're kind of like surveying every woman's hips and ass, you know, so that you can cut the right skirt or the right jean to fit all of them, because it is a, definitely, there are different shapes of asses and hips, right? That's the way you're also assessing their kind of like political, you know, or like socioeconomical profile, right? And I always said this, even before I was even aware of it, that a woman buys a collection because she believes in it politically. Like, po- by politically, I mean, oh, right, that's who I am, you know? And, uh, and she just votes down the ticket, right? She buys the t-shirt, she buys the jacket, she buys the pants, because it fits her body, but it also fits her kind of uh, self-image, you know?
0: That idea of self-image as well, I think that, Social media, I mean, when you were designing, first of all, the, this notion of social media, it was just not really around, oh, was it? I mean, it just, just didn't have a... There was, there was nothing, you know, there was no, like, Instagram, Snapchat, all of these things. And, and now we have social media that's like this portal and this outlet. And we have people who are considered by some to be role models and considered by some to be sort of absolute saboteurs. So Kim Kardashian earlier this week, mm-hmm. you know, her her in, in now infamous poster, you know, she's had so many infamous posts, but now this is another one mm. where she poses a photo of herself absolutely naked apart from a couple of bars. And then the backlash then Looked is you. good to me. Well, see, I was gonna <laughs> say, where, where are you on that? Because I that mean, really feeds into then about like self-image and women and different shapes and bodies. Yeah.
1: Again, it kind of goes to the pole thing. You know, I like, I go to the Kardashian pole. I just like them because they're funny and they, they're they harmless and they're stylish, you know. And also they've got bodies, you know. I. Love I like that. I like girls with bodies. I do. I like them better than girls that starve themselves and, like, sort of, you know, I do. I don't think people should starve themselves. I really don't. Um, and so, like, that's where I am with that, with that whole sort of idea about, and then especially, like, someone like Kim Kardashian, who actually has this body and then wants to reveal it, like, bless her, you know? Bless her. Well,
0: you know, you said that, you know, that you think they're stylish. I was interviewing Tim Gunn, and he was very, very of the opposite opinion. He, oh, said yeah. he did not think that they were stylish one Interesting. iota. He just, he said that that was like the huh. the last gasp of, of he, he you used a word, and I don't want to misquote him, but he was definitely not a fan of their style. Interesting. Um, but I guess, you know, people people do respond differently to mm-hmm. to those. But, women.
1: you know, I mean, that doesn't make me not like uh, Atilda a Swinton. I love her, too. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't exclude at all. I personally do not exclude. If it turns me on and it makes me smile and laugh, I'm not gonna lie, it makes me smile and laugh. And those girls make me smile and laugh, they do. And Tilda Swinton makes me swoon and die because she's so chic, you know yeah, what I mean? she's so fabulous. You know, I'm trying to find like poles here that yeah. are interesting, and she popped into my mind. Or like, you know, Kate Blanchett. I was just thinking I mean, thinking she's Kate, flawless, yeah. absolutely flawless, and I worship that. I worship that like
0: I like this idea of polls. And you know, you said you're not exclusionary. Do you feel, Mm. and we've got to talk about your exhibition at the Jewish Museum as well. And and I I think it ties in quite nicely, this idea of you not being exclusionary because of of your family's history and and of this idea of having been excluded and and persecuted against. Um, What can people look forward to at this exhibition?
1: I think um, they're gonna be surprised because it tells this story Brilliantly. Like, that's what we've been working on now for three years, right? Um, putting together about, I'd say, like, it's about, it's about 45 fashion passages, about 12 costume passages, it's a, like maybe 150 sketches, and then there's a room full of accessories and a few new pieces that I made at the end, these coats that I thought kind of were right to make. And then also, there's video clips from my TV show and from like my movie, et cetera. And um, to expect is the unexpected. I mean, it, it like the whole exhibit starts with this wall full of these color swatches that I've been working with for like a million years. They're all kind of on this wall. And it sounds, but it's overwhelming. It's the biggest wall I've ever seen. I can't even describe it in feet. And it's just covered with these little swatches, right? And it's chromatic. It sort of goes from like, Cream and white to like black, but in between you go like pink, yellow, blue, red, green, etc. Right, and so the thought is that starting there and seeing just the just the suggestion of process, because I'm not one of those people who likes to see the process that much. I mean, unless it's fun, like Unzipped was all about process. Right, right, right of course. But you know what I mean. It's like. Well, if you're gonna show me pictures of the process, you better have a good product to show me later. It's mm. not just about the process, right? So, you know, that suggestion of this color obsession, right? And then you walk into the first gallery and you get the payoff of all of that color study from these beautiful colored colored passages. And then you're gonna walk through the sketch gallery and then the costume gallery and then the other gallery with even more clothes, you know?
0: Was, so. was that an emotional experience the first time you walked through?
1: Well, I mean, it was an emotional experience putting it all together. And it didn't just happen. I mean, we've been installing it now for a month. And so, like, every day it builds and grows and grows. And, like, some days I go, uh oh, what have I done? And then other days I go, oh my God, this is so beautiful, you know? So I leave it to you. I leave it to you both to kind of, like, go to begin with, right? And then to kind of come away with what you come away with, right? I, I think it tells a story, but I don't want to sort of put a button on it. I want everyone to come away with the story they take.
0: Did you feel when you when you first you know saw, obviously you've been doing these installments and, and it's been coming together over this course of time, when it had all been installed and finished, and mm-hmm. when you did do that sort of final walkthrough, and yes. you saw everything in place, did you feel a sense of accomplishment of history? <sighs> uh, I mean, ha- that has to be really emotional because that's a large body of work and yeah. a success in yes, one room. Yes, it really
1: is, yeah. Yeah, and um, and by the way, I will be doing my final walkthrough today. Just so you know. Oh
0: wait, this is gonna happen today. It's
1: it's opening in about a week. It's opening on the eighteenth of March at the Jewish Museum on ninety second Street and Fifth Avenue. Please go, but um, but so you
0: haven't done it yet.
1: No, 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 no it's about to open. It's about to open, and 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 we've been walking through now a thousand times a day. But the final walkthrough takes place today, and but I will but I will tell you that like. There was one day when, after having curated all the sketches, for instance, they were in one of their curatorial rooms where everything is like lined with felt and everybody's wearing gloves and there's like humi- humidity control and everything's—it's a very controlled environment. And I walked in and I saw my sketches on, these, on the table just kind of laid out and mounted in the way they were being prepared for the wall. And I started to cry because the sketches are like wishes. A sketch is a wish, right? Like I wish I could make this dress, right? And to see all of my old thoughts and ideas and wishes, right, wow. And then to think of some of them that actually paid off or didn't, you know, like it was really an emotional, and also to see them being treated like they were, you know, like, I don't know what, like burne Jones sketches or something, or like Leonardo sketches. I mean, I'm just me. And here they were sort of in this kind of humidity controlled environment, it's funny. Is
0: but, there something doubly poignant about it for you as well? Because it is in the Jewish Museum. Your family, it, you know, our uh, Syrian heritage yes, and Jewish, yes. and, and obviously then they themselves had struggle. they were persecuted. And the notion of a wish in amongst a museum like that, yeah. I think it feels almost doubly resonant.
1: And not to mention the fact that I was raised Jewish in, in, in a Jewish play in a Jewish community, in a Sephardic Jewish community in Brooklyn that was very intolerant of homosexuality, very intolerant, really, of artists. You know, um, the religion is not that tolerant, right? Well, no religion, no Orthodox religion, is terribly tolerant. I mean, talk to Irish Catholic people who grew up gay. That's not easy either. Do you know what I mean? Um, and so, like, among that, to then be feted by this religious. Sort of institution. It's not a religious institution; it's more a cultural institution. I think that's part of the point of this, you know, and um, and but it is ironic to go back to what you were saying. It's ironic that growing up, being you know, I would call it a kind of persecution over being gay and being different and being effeminate and being artistic and all of that, you know, and then being feted in that place, right? is very is very gratifying and emotional, and I think it's compelling to me.
0: It is very compelling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you wish that your father had been here to, to be able to see all this? Because he didn't ever know that you were gay, did he? You didn't no, never tell No,
1: no, no, no. And he passed away when I was quite young. And I loved my dad. Um, I also think that he probably knew somewhere, like deep down inside, that I was gay. It just was not something we could Confront, you know, and when he passed away, I will tell you that it became much easier for me to kind of live my life, you know, to really come out. You know, I mean that was in nineteen eighty-three or eighty-two, and so like after he, he he passed away and I mourned him properly, I felt then able to kind of lead my life in an open way. I'm not sure I would have done what I did if he were alive. I'm not sure if his Presence might have inhibited my my personal growth, you know. Um, Knowing myself, I probably would have pushed through and done it. But like I, I revered him and loved him, and I never wanted to hurt him. And so I don't know if I would have kind of, well, become this like crazy, like gay icon. Not that I think of myself as a gay icon, but you know, am I the Charles Nelson Riley of the new day? I'm not sure, you know give me an ascot and like, you know, a sailor's cap and I might (laughs) have a chance. But but you see what I mean. I do see what you mean. yeah. Yeah. Like Unzipped, a lot of people tell me they went to see Unzipped and they were like, oh, right, I'm gay, I'm coming out now because this movie like helped me come out. Or like, I'm moving to New York City and becoming a fashion designer because of Unzipped. A lot of people have stopped me on the street and told me that, you know.
0: Does that ever feel like a burden of responsibility that you have? Or do you always feel relatively, you know, liberated and, 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 and just excited that you could be a part of somebody's own, I'll say process, not journey, but someone's own process?
1: I don't know. You know, I, sometimes I feel bad about influencing people in a way. You know, I go like, ugh, don't look at me because my life is a mess, you know. Um, and then other times I go, no, you know, congratulations. Like, welcome to the world, you know. I do. I, again, it's like this thing where I feel all sorts of different ways about... My life.
0: Well, I mean you talk about you you know don't like to people to look at you as an influencer. I mean that is who you are, isn't yes. it? I mean, you know, you are self-styled and you have been an influencer for a long time. Yeah and
1: I mean what you were talking about earlier, this idea of social media and those influencers, that's a whole region that I feel very not expert at, you know? And I feel like that is where fashion is evolving toward and I don't hate it. I kind of like I kind of like it. I mourn certain things about like the world that I come from. What what things do you mourn? Well, I mourn the element of surprise. Mm. I do, because I remember like in my first sort of 10 years doing fashion shows where things were kept secret because I wanted those people in that room and those cameras in that room for the next day. I wanted to surprise the population, right? And now I feel like everybody's like sort of you know posting every single part of their creative process to the point where it's like not that interesting to see the finished product because they've taken us through the journey, the journey again, that word I don't like. Oh
0: Well, you know, I I mean, you've got to use it, so I mean, I don't know. know, You've got to use it, process, yeah,
1: exactly, yeah. But you see, um, but I I remember like when I was a kid, this is a, a story, a friend of mine worked at Dior in Paris and I was waiting for him across the street having a coffee because he was finishing work. And out come these models wearing these kind of, um, they were like graduation robes. And I was like, oh, how fabulous. Like, Dior is doing graduation robes this year? It was just like 1982 or something, right? And I'm watching. And the lights set up, and the cameras are there. It was Women's Wear Daily shooting a preview for Dior. And right before the cameras started to click to take the picture, the robes came off to reveal the actual dresses, the dresses, right? It was so fabulous. And then the minute they finished taking the pictures for the preview, the robes went right back on in case there was someone there spying to know what Dior was going to show that season, you know? And I wish that could exist again this kind of secret thing like, you're not going to know about anything until you see the damn dress, you know? Yeah.
0: I, I, I do, I, I can see that. I mean, you know, if there, I suppose there are all these different arguments, right? Like, oh, fashion's more accessible today than ever it was, and, you know, maybe more meritocratist, although I actually think that it's still, I mean, you know, <sighs> if you still wanna buy a Blamin, you know, Dior dress, you still gotta be in a certain income bracket, but mm-hmm. I do appreciate that missing and absence of the element of surprise.
1: Yeah, the element of surprise, the element of kind of like, I also think the element of, humanity and three dimensions because when you're posting something online it has two dim- it's a picture right and so eventually no one considers a woman walking in your presence and i remember like at times loving this idea of Putting the woman up there on a pedestal on a catwalk—that was—I I used to think like, let's look up at the girl, right? But then eventually, I kind of wanted her there, feeling that girl in those shoes, in those tights. I want to feel that girl, you know. And so I got rid of the runways, and I just had them kind of sitting, you know, like, and walking through because I wanted to feel those girls, you know. And so, like here, I don't feel the woman. I—I I see a picture. I see a lot of styling but it's almost like a paper doll situation, and I love that. You mm-hmm. know, there's things about it that I love, but I mourn the kind of woman of it. You well, know?
0: I mean, the woman of it, just thinking about, you know, last night in the state dinner that the, the, yes. the Obama's hosted for the Trudeaus at the White yes. House, and, you know, Michelle Obama wearing Well, she's such woo, a woman. I mean, that, she's
1: a woman, what,
0: yeah. What do you think about the this era? I mean, you know, this is their, their, this is his last year, last term. Yes. We're gonna, you know, they're gonna be out at the White House. Um, is she, do you think, one of the most Stylish women there's ever been. I do think so.
1: Yes. What I love about this almost like um, kind of linear development of Mrs. Obama as a style icon is that she came from somewhere. She's kind of leaving in the same like iconic status, but she really has found this kind of great groove, you know. And she's she's more consistent than ever, right? She came from a consistent place, and we watched her get even more consistent, you know. And I think like. Jackie Kennedy, right, like any of those style icons that we worship, Audrey Hepburn, right, uh, you know, I don't know who, uh, uh, Gloria Guinness, Mrs. Paley, any of those women, it was all about consistency, finding something that worked, and, I, and finding it and then developing it. And look, those pictures are fabulous.
0: Is she, I mean, you know, she is just an absolute style icon, and, yes. and, and an icon in so many other ways as yes, well. Yes, um, yes, yes. The art of political dressing, I feel, is very complicated though today. Oh, I mean, gosh. you know, like with the yeah. Hillary Clinton and the pants, you know, the, the pantsuiting that was sort of back in the nineties and that's yeah. where she is now. Is it how hard is it do you think to be a, a woman in the public eye in a political arena and, and dressing in a way that's universally understood. Not necessarily accepted but at least understood. Well
1: you know I've made clothes for both Mrs. Clinton and Mrs. Obama, right? And some other first ladies and some other heads of states, you know and i think it's a woman by woman situation right like you know i feel that like mrs clinton is hilariously funny incredibly smart a born leader etc
0: you think she's funny
1: i think she's hilarious
0: what is she how is she i mean oh. isn't she cracks jokes when you're yes, fitting her
1: yes yes well i've never been in a fitting with her but i've seen her at cocktails and she'll say something extremely wry you know um,
0: People, I think, or she'll kind of send a, very a
1: note. She sent a note that. that was hilarious. To like,
0: you, she sent. Yeah, a, thank
1: you. Uh, years ago, I sent something, and she, she bought something, and she loved it, and she wore it, and she sent a note, and it was a great note. All I remember is I, she's a woman of words, you know, and um, and also she's not necessarily like this kind of woman who gives a damn about clothes. She has it together. She knows she's going to look right in a pantsuit with pearls and post earrings, and her hair done a certain way. And by the way, that was very hard won, that hair, right? That hair was hard won, as we, who were alive in the 90s, will very well remember, Okay, Hillary found her hair. There's another t-shirt. Hillary found her hair.
0: I love that. I love yeah, it. All, these, all these little, like, <laughs> Isaac, oh, is Hills is, yeah, Isaac is found is, her hair. I think it's, but, but it's, um, she, has, she has come under so much scrutiny, she continues to I be know. under so much scrutiny. What is
1: that? I don't believe in that. I don't think, like, I think she has the right to look any particular way that she wants, you know?
0: Well, the ironic thing, of course, is when people scrutinize anything about her fashion sense, you have to look at the Republican frontrunner Donald Trump and think, wait a second, there. the men tend yeah. to get quite a few passes no, exactly. when it comes to their fashion. No, They
1: really do. It's so okay. true. And yet we, we scrutinize and criticize the way he looks too. I mean, I do. I don't know about you, but I do.
0: I think a lot of people have done that. <laughs> uh, Isaac, it's always so lovely what to fun. see you. Thank it's you fun. so much for coming Thank in. You. Uh, Thank you. And guys, you really should check it out. Uh, of course, Project Runway All-Stars, uh, Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern on Lifetime. Uh, but you really must check out Isaac's new exhibition, An Unruly History. It's at the Jewish Museum from March 18th through August 7th. You can find out more information in the links in the resource world below. And stick around. There's more HuffPost Live coming up next.